Another edition of Beat the Closing Number presented by TheLines.com. We're breaking down our NFL Week 13 best bets. And it's myself, Eli Herskovich. You can follow me on X, Twitter, whatever Elon Musk wants to call it these days. At Eli Herskovich. You can follow my NBA betting savant. The Lions MLB and NBA betting savant. NFL betting savant. He is a betting savant for every sport. At Monawara, two W's on X or Twitter. And you can follow the lines as well at the lines US. We have four games to break down. We'll also be joined by Will Hill, contributor on the Bear Bats podcast with Chris Felica, Fox Sports, Vison, all that good stuff. And if you haven't checked out Beat the Closing Number before, we are 29 and 14 with spreads and totals this season. Mo, how you feeling after all the flack we've gotten for our 49ers Eagles takes earlier in the week. We got flack. We did on our last show on in the comments section. I feel bad for those people because they're going to lose money on the Eagles this week. <laughs> By the way, I was looking at this before the show. For anybody that's alert by Philly's 10-1 record and the fact that they're a home underdog, just looking at those two things on the surface, teams with a 70% winning percentage as an underdog, are 18 and 35 against the number since the start of last season and 5 and 17 against the spread this season. So that goes to the notion of selling high. It's not saying that is a trend. I mean, it applies as a trend, but it more so goes to the fact that you try to typically sell a team at the top of the betting market, right? Yeah, although, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when the number is like this, it's it's definitely there's definitely an argument to be made that you can get a good you're getting a good number on the Eagles as far as like what the number is for this week. I mean, when it opens with Eagles as a favorite, it's just like you said basically the other day. Uh, just it, it may not mean bet the Eagles, but it probably means don't bet the 49ers once you're getting the worst of the number. But you know, I, we could see. This is a low motivation spot, kind of in some senses. For like, it's a bigger game for the Niners than the Eagles. The Niners can't get the one seed without this game. The Eagles have plenty of cushion. Just came off two huge wins. We could see a little slippage there for sure. Yeah, and you factor in Brock Purdy. I don't want to call it a revenge game, but revenge game for guys like Debo Samuel who've been running their mouth throughout the offseason. And maybe that is a motivational factor for the Eagles, but. You take into account it's Eagles-Cowboys next week. Huge divisional game, not just for one-seed purposes. I mean, Dallas has an outside shot of getting the number one overall seed in the NFC playoff picture, but also to win the NFC East. So you would expect after last week, not that we're going to be diving too much into Eagles 49ers before we get to our guest, Will Hill, but they have to run out of gas at some point. And all the turnover variants they've gotten that we've touched on in recent episodes, especially going back to that Dallas game in a week nine. Yeah, it's tough to bring it every week, you know, and this stretch of schedule, they've kind of had to, right? You can't beat these teams without it pretty much. So, I mean, I'm not saying like the Eagles stink or anything. I'm not saying if they lose, they stink. Like I, if they lose, I would totally understand it. If you want to give the video a thumbs up because... You hate our takes or you like our takes. Either way, give the video a thumbs up and ring the bell to get notifications whenever we release new NFL betting videos like this one here on Beat the Closing Number. Also, check out conference championship betting previews for college football with Brett Gibbons and Kelly Ford here on the Lions YouTube channel. You can also listen to all of our content on the Lions Podcast Network. Just search the Lions on Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite podcast, and make sure to leave a five-star review. Mo, let's kick it off with Dolphins and Commanders. But before we do so, if you're planning on betting any NFL Week 13 action, remember, first-time users can use BetMGM, first-time sportsbook promo code, the lines on your first bet to get up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. That's promo code, the lines one word. Remember that bonus bets are not equivalent to real money. And as always, terms and conditions apply. Dolphins up from a six and a half point favorite on the look ahead line to minus nine and a half at Washington. 
And this commander's defense allowing the fourth highest EPA expected points added per play since trading Chase Young and Montez Sweat. I mean, this is an abysmal secondary on top of the fact that they're not generating any sort of a pass rush. Top 10 in pressure rate when they had Sweat and Young, now below league average. So that tells you all you need to know, at least in that category. But Mo, you're looking to at least buy low here on Washington, if not sell high on the Dolphins, right? Yeah, I like Washington. Like you said, it is a field goal up from the look ahead, which is strange to me when the Week 12 results with these teams shouldn't have been all that surprising. I mean, the the Dolphins were huge favorites, right? And they're facing a Jets team that is just the bottom of the barrel when it comes to NFL offense at this point. Whatever, they get basically a free win there. And then, yeah, I liked Commanders a bit. I parlayed them with the over last week on a small bet because I thought there was going to be a lot of points in that game. Unfortunately, only half of that came home. But, yeah, I mean, that was always within the range of outcomes, right? Like, just getting crushed by the Cowboys in Dallas is not really that unusual. So I'm not understanding why this moved to field goal. Particularly when you look at the way Miami's offense has been playing and Tua's kind of been stinking it up. I mean, he has not had a very good game in quite some time. Then you got Tyreek Hill banged up. I know he has missed practice at these times before and then just played. I'm not really worried about that. I just think like if he's not 100% against a Washington secondary, that is atrocious and very, very beatable, like you said. Not having your receivers at, at, at their best when the quarterback needs all the help he can get. We know too as a limited player. And even a player on the other side of the ball, that, that's pretty important. Javon Holland, a very, very strong safety uh, mispractice as well. I just think overall, man, Miami's just been getting by on a absolutely pathetic schedule. The Raiders, the Jets, the Patriots. I mean, these are bad teams and the, the kind of bad teams that just like offer no threat because they can't move the ball. Washington's a bad team that can move the ball so they can actually score and force Miami to score a few points. I know people are throwing out all these stats. I've been seeing, oh, Miami, look at their defense since week five. Whatever, their top five in EPA or whatever. Maybe I can't remember what I saw. Look at these offenses they're playing. They are feasting on the most pathetic group of offenses. I mean, literally, it might be like they've played like six of the bottom eight offenses or something in that time. Okay. I mean, Washington is not great, but they're not that. So, uh, you know, Carolina, New England. I mean, this just doesn't get any worse than this. So. I'm not too worried about Washington's offense. I think they can score enough points to cover a number like this. Next thing you know, Dolphins fans or betters that have been back in Miami this season throughout the year are going to be coming after you, man. You don't want Eagles and Dolphins fans on your ass. I mean, everyone hates the Chiefs now, so (laughs) it's not any different than anything else. You know, automatically, if you, you know, you know this very well, you're one of the premier Chiefs haters out there, so they'll just join you in complaining on Twitter every week when the Chiefs keep winning. <laughs> well, I thought you were going to be against Kansas City. That's what it seemed like uh, the first episode to be the closing number this week, and I thought I was going to be staying away from the game, but it seems like both of those things aren't going to be coming true, and we'll talk Chiefs-Packers in a little bit, but to your point about Tua, 13th in adjusted EPA per dropback. Over his last three games. Not that that's bad, but it is worse than the top five level that he was performing at over the first half, more than half of the season before this stretch. And you mentioned Holland in Miami's secondary. Miami also without one of their best linebackers in Jalen Phillips, who tore his Achilles against the Jets. Big loss. Yeah, Jalen Phillips is a hell of a pass rusher. And also just back to Tua. Potential rain in the forecast, so keep that in mind. We saw kind of poor conditions against the Jets, and like you said, didn't play well. Pick six, and the first half, then again, pick six went Miami's way, so they got the positive variance right back on their next defensive possession. But second game we're going to hit on, though, a bet that I was on earlier in the week, a little bit concerned, and it kind of took me off of it. Colts at Titans, this line down from Indianapolis, Minus two to minus one with Jonathan Taylor out 
for the next two to three weeks, I believe, with a thumb injury. How are you betting this game? Yeah, so I did mention that I like the under. I think it was 43.5 at that point, maybe 43. It is down to 42.5. I still think I like the under here. Uh, Don't play a ton of totals, but this one just kind of stands out to me a little bit. We talked about a lot of the reasons already. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, like you said, looks like... So he's definitely going to play, or definitely going to sit now, and... You know, I know running backs don't make a huge difference in most cases, but I think in a game like this where there's not, I think, going to be a ton of offense, a guy who can actually rip off a 75-yard touchdown, whatever, take a screen 40 yards to the house, I think you're taking a lot of potential big plays out of the equation, comparing him to Zach Moss, who is a fine player, but his breakaway speed is basically non-existent. So that factor is kind of gone. And like you said, Tennessee, one of the slowest teams, they're 31st in pace. We know what Tennessee is going to try to do. They're going to try to minimize mistakes. They keep doing it every week. I mean, some of these games, like Will Levis is having like sub 20 dropbacks. I mean, they're just not really giving him a chance to completely sink things. And, Right here against a team that's 30th in rushing success rate on defense, I think they'll have plenty of opportunities to pound the rock with Derrick Henry and keep the clock moving. Both teams are definitely leaning more into the run, especially the Colts as they get farther and farther from those shootouts they had in, you know, the Cleveland game, those other games. Like, Gardner Minshew's been pretty bad lately. I mean, I think it's just being masked by good coaching. And the defense doing enough. Playing in a dome doesn't hurt either. Yeah, but he's been pretty bad. I mean, multiple near picks last week. He hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in three weeks. Um, three games, I should say. Uh, and <clears throat> he has multiple interceptions even over that time frame. Before that game, three yards per play against the Carolina Panthers. I mean, dude, this offense is really sputtering. Like, they scored 10 points in a win against New England. They really should have lost that game. Um, I think they're just, like, kind of winning in kind of fluky fashion. None of it is because of Gardner Minshew. Maybe that works again here, but I think if it works again, it's going to be another low-scoring game. So... Not expecting a ton of points in this game. And and this is yet another game. I think basically every outdoor game this week could see some rain. And, and this one is one of them. Yeah, and to your point about Tennessee not wanting Levis to drop back, one of the more glaring things that I was digging into, Colts rushing defense has been vulnerable like you had on without Grover Stewart in the lineup. Dead last in the NFL, I think, since week eight in rushing success rate allowed. But the Colts are getting after the passer Ranked top 10 in both pass rush win rate and PFF pass rushing grade this season. So, and this Titans offensive line is nothing to ride home about. And one of the league's worst, honestly, when it comes to pass blocking. So you would think they're going to be able to generate pressure, which does play towards your under, unless there are some havoc plays and turnovers. But if the Titans are able to pound the rock with Henry and shorten the clock, it definitely plays to the under. So I'm with you there if if I were to bet any sort of market for Colts Titans, but third game, at least potential. I know the first two you're playing with Washington and the under in Tennessee and Indianapolis, but Detroit, a four point favorite at the saints up from three on the look ahead, even after the Lions Thanksgiving loss, but new Orleans lost at Atlanta as a favorite. And that line was all over the place throughout the week. And some news that is also kind of all over the place, Chris Olave dealing with a concussion. He was limited in practice on Wednesday. You and I were touching on this before we started recording. Typically, you don't see players come back the first week after they suffered a concussion. But the fact that he saw limited practice on Wednesday is definitely an encouraging sign. And the Lions ranked 27th across the NFL this season in general. So it's not just in a small sample size. They have taken a major step back, though, of late in terms of dropback success rate allowed. But... What's your angle for Detroit or potential angle for Detroit and New Orleans, Mel? Yeah, I mean, listen, I would love if Olave went. My $500 league, 
need a W this week to lock in our playoff spot. And Olave <laughs> should be in a really good situation here against a beatable Lions secondary in a dome with all of his compadres in that in that unit just wrecked, basically. I mean, <laughs> but at the same time, like like I said, this is not a thing that has been happening this year. I mean, very few players have been able to come back, especially we're not looking at like extra rest or anything from going to the concussion protocol. I mean, he went out of the game and didn't come back. Rashid Shahid also, who has actually been really good for them, he also went out of the game and did not come back. I mean, who are the Saints throwing to in this spot, man? I mean, with Michael Thomas already on IR, they finished the game last week with A.T. Perry, who is, I think, a sixth-round rookie or something, something called Kirkwood, and Lynn Bowden as their receivers. I I think Lynn Bowden used to be a running back, okay? He did. He was on Kentucky. He had a big performance in the Belk Bowl, I think. Like, that's the receiving core they finished the game with. I mean, I don't think this, like, line move, which it was minus three on the look-ahead, is, like, properly waiting what New Orleans is going to have at receiver. And pairing that with Derek Carr, who is maybe the most risk-averse passer in the entire league, this guy is terrified of pushing the ball downfield, okay? And they're going to need to score some points this game. I mean, we know Detroit's going to score points. I know the Saints D has been solid, but... No, Lattimore is a pet and has been a big loss going back to last week. Yeah, and they've even been very good at times. Like, But this Detroit offense is not an offense that just gets shut down completely. I mean, they're going to score some points. Like, the Saints are going to have to complete some passes and throw the ball here. Like, But how is that going to... I, I fear for any fantasy teams out there facing Alvin Kamara this week. He might catch 20 passes. Yeah. I mean, they're only going to go for 75 yards, but he might catch 20 passes. I mean, Derek Carr is addicted to dumping the ball off in the best of times. That's a good This could point. be unprecedented so- this week. Honestly, yeah. like, who are they throwing to? On the other side of the ball, you have a Saints defense that is playing a ton of man. I guess I always think of the Saints as more of a zone team, but they're playing a ton of man this year. I think they were fourth highest, and a lot of the mistakes we're seeing Jared Goff make have been thrown into linebackers dropping back in coverage. So I think that's kind of the way to throw some looks at him that that confuse him. So he might have some more clear throwing lanes too here. And a Saints defense, like you said, even like Cam Jordan and Marcus May miss practice. I mean... This team is a disaster right now, and I am not happy to say that since I bought some Saints futures maybe like a month ago when they were like plus 140 or something to win the division. That's like pretty much what they're back to. But yeah, Lions, only minus four here. When I wasn't too excited about them on the look ahead when they were minus three, but I just think these injuries are piling up and mattering that much to where this line should be probably higher than it is. But maybe if Olave plays, it's reasonable. That so I don't the other bets I have in my account already, but I'm not sure about this one yet. But man, I just do not see how the Saints can keep this game close. I mean, Olave, dude, he had like ten catches for 110 yards or something in the the first half. Of, I mean, he's the entire passing offense right now. Yeah, if Olave doesn't go, you'll definitely see some steam the other way, and that's why I not that we touched on this game on the first episode to beat the closing number this week, but I wouldn't have, I mean, I'm with you. I I don't see any reason to bet this game unless you're just trying to get ahead of the Olave movement or uh, one way or the other, I guess. But I I think in this case, playing it safe, if you're looking to bet the Lions is the way to go. Because like you said, who is Carr throwing the ball to if Olave is out, if he's in against this secondary, maybe you just root for your fantasy team. By the way, I'm in, a little bit of a playoff predicament too, as Josh Dobbs really cost me a win with four picks on Monday night. Not fun, even <laughs> though I cashed with Bears first half. But two more games to get into, Mo. Bucks against the Panthers. First bet for me here on beat the closing number. I have a column up on the lines.com. You have a ton of 
work up as well for week 13, but breaking down my two favorite bets of the week as always. And Panthers plus five and a half, sadly, is one of them. So this has a lot to do with kind of your angle, even though this line hasn't shifted from the look ahead, just buying low on, in your case, Washington. For me, it's buying low and to the extreme degree of that angle on the Carolina Panthers as you look at teams in their first game after firing their head coach since 2003, 20-16 against the number, 55.6% against the spread. And even though that's not, I mean, it's above 54%, which in our industry is considered good, but even though it may not be that attractive or you still may not buy that much into it, you think about those teams in that given situation before they fired their head coach in a given season, a combined 37.4% against the spread conversion rate. So typically you do get the best of that team when the game after they fired their coach, whether it's from a motivational standpoint or because they're changing something up on either side of the ball. And there were reports that Frank Reich was against using RPO and read option offensively, which kind of negates with Bryce Young, at least trying to hit whatever kind of ceiling he can as a rookie. I know he had the second shortest rookie of the year ads coming into the year, and he hasn't come close to that. If you look at win percentage added among quarterbacks this season, he is dead last among any single quarterback. So his performance has been absolutely dreadful. But if Carolina does shift things up offensively, it's not just, okay, well, they're going to throw the kitchen sink at Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay has a tremendous defense or anything like that. Not that I'm alluding to that, but Tampa Bay has struggled against read option and RPOs. If you look back to the last couple of games against the Colts, who you broke down in Tennessee and Indianapolis, that handicap and San Francisco too. I know the 49ers have an upper echelon offense, but still a scheme that Tampa Bay and Todd Bowles have failed to stop defensively. And also with Carolina's defense, their biggest flaw is stopping the run. And Tampa Bay has the lowest graded run blocking unit when it comes to run block win rate across the NFL. So I think this is a good matchup for Carolina, assuming Thomas Brown utilizes some of that RPO and read option stuff that Frank Reich was for some reason, I guess Josh McCowan and Deuce Staley against. And I'm looking to, uh, unfortunately, bet the Carolina Panthers as above a field goal underdog in a divisional game. What say you for this one, though? You've got more heart than me. I can tell you that much. Ain't (laughs) no way my money is going to be on the Carolina Panthers unless I'm getting at least seven points the rest of the season. I I can pretty much guarantee you that. Um, Yeah, I think I honestly think I'm just higher on Tampa Bay than than most. I've found myself unfortunately betting them several times in recent weeks. I still think this is a decent team. I'm still ranking them in my top 20, I think, uh, when we do our power rankings, although that's honestly probably more of an indictment of the league than anything else at this point. Um, In this specific game, I thought this line was probably about where it should be. Baker looks like he's going to play. I think he hurt his thumb last week. Um, Some pretty big injuries on both sides. You got Levante David and Jamel Dean for Tampa Bay's defense. Obviously big-time performers there. And then you have uh, Von Bell for the Panthers on their defense, as well as uh, two offensive linemen on a really bad line, Taylor Moton, Chandler Zavala. I don't know how much something Zavala matters, but who knows? This line has been dreadful basically all year. And that is a big issue for me in this game when I look at the way these teams match up. Say what you want about Todd Bowles, and I would say he's maybe running the worst offense in the NFL. And this is one of the worst coaching staffs in the NFL overall. So I might be done betting the Bucks as well, to be honest with you. But he's still going to blitz the hell out of a rookie quarterback and... When that rookie quarterback has a bad offensive line, like we've seen it already against the Titans. I mean, the Bucks basically rolled them. Bryce Young looks like a broken shell of a human being, to be honest. I mean, just from his body language to the way he's playing, 
everything. I, I mean, definitely some signs of life last week. Like they drove the ball at times against the Titans. But I, I just think the Bucks are overall a, a better, more talented team than the Titans. So I don't know. I, I don't think I can bet the Bucks either, but not betting the Panthers. This is the stink bomb of the week for sure. And uh, I wish you the best. Thank you. I, I do think we get a good effort from Carolina on both sides of the ball. Assuming yeah. Frank Reich was that big of an issue offensively like, and locker room wise too. Yeah, that's interesting because you just don't know. Like, I think following beat writers in some spots in these spots can help. I've been listening to some podcasts about this situation. I don't know, man. Frank Reich definitely seemed like he was a beaten man. <laughs> like that dude's body language himself and pressers and stuff and just. He seemed like he had no fight left. I will say if the players see that, they probably have no fight left. But I don't think he was like a hated man in the locker room or anything like that. It didn't seem like that was the situation. It's definitely a weird situation when somebody does get fired in this sort of a time frame. I think it's probably reasonable, to be honest. With I just, as somebody who bet a couple long shot Panthers plays, like... I did take some Bryce Young plus 500. Like, there's no way this team should have been this bad. Like, there is no way the talent on this team should be adding up to a one-win team. I mean, I mean, this team had like a six and a half win total juice to the over. This is crazy how bad they've been. So in that sense, I get it. I definitely understand where you're coming from in that sense. There's way more talent than a one in 10 team. This is wild how bad they've been. Good luck to me and anybody that decides to bet Carolina as well. Mo will be laughing in our Discord channel. And by the way, you can get all of our bets in real time in the Lions Discord. The link is over at thelines.com in the top right-hand corner if you decide to get alerts and want alerts on the disgusting Carolina Panthers against the number. But second bet for me, Mo, is Packers plus six. I didn't think I'd be on this initially earlier in the week, but the more I dug into it, the more I like it. I think the market is... And you touched on this on our Monday edition of Beat the Closing Number to an extent. I think the market is still overvaluing Kansas City just based on offensive output or lack thereof, I guess. But just what you come to expect with an elite Kansas City passing attack. I mean, you look over the last five years, number one in EPA per dropback obviously has a lot to do with Patrick Mahomes. But down to 7-8 across the league, which isn't bad by any means. It's still upper echelon, borderline elite at times. But there are still issues with this passing offense. And you look back at last week, you mentioned this too with Rasheed Rice. I think he had 10 targets or something like that. But outside of Rice, only just under 32% of the targets were two wide receivers. So you think about all the drops that Kansas City's wideouts have accrued this year. League high, 24 drops. So... Green Bay should be getting reinforcements back on the defensive side of the ball as well, assuming Jair Alexander finally returns and he hasn't been, or he's been a shell of himself this season, but still getting him back in the lineup would be big. Also potentially Rudy Ford back at safety and Devondre Campbell, honestly, one of the bigger reinforcements considering how good he's been against the run. And Kansas City has been a bit more reliant on the ground game this year, not that it's necessarily changed a bunch under Matt Nagy. Either way, Packers defense should be on the uptick. And then on the other side of the ball too, Chiefs pass rush has been borderline elite, especially of late top two in pressure rate. But as we've touched on when we've handicapped Green Bay games over the last few weeks, Packers have the second rated pass block win rate across the NFL. Elton Jenkins is healthy and Rasheed Walker too at left tackle has played a big role in Jordan Love's resurgence this season, ranking 17th among 45 offensive tackles in PFF grade over the last four weeks, 20th in run block grade, and one sack allowed over those four games. Fourth best pass block win rate, too, from an individual offensive tackle standpoint. So getting a lift on the offensive line in general, and then Walker specifically, Love since week nine, Top five in EPA plus completion percentage over expected. So even though the Chiefs secondary has held up well, you've been very high on Trey McDuffie over the last couple of years and rightfully so. But if they're not able to generate as much of a pass rush, 
I think Love is able to at least keep this game competitive and keep it within a score. Really quick before we get to our guest, Mo, anything on Packers, Chiefs, or any more than we touched on for Monday's episode? Uh, just mostly the same, but a little bit less excited to bet Green Bay. I feel like I'm still going to fire it, but it's down to six now. Kicking myself for not getting seven when I saw it last week and then six and a half early this week. I even think I saw five and a half yesterday. So market's definitely coming in hot on Green Bay, but you could still convince me that this line should honestly be like four and a half. And I would say that that might be reasonable. I just don't really think the Chiefs should be double digit favorites at home against this team. Like, but like I said, it's just going to come down to whether the Chiefs can get to Jordan Love because. I know their offensive line is playing great, but the Chiefs also have some of the best blitz packages in the business with Spags and even a good pass rush at times, even without the blitz. Uh, so, yeah, that line, that matchup up front is going to be uh, a treat to watch and definitely excited for this game. And those are our five bets. We touched on Miami and Washington, Indianapolis, Tennessee, Detroit, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, and Carolina, and Kansas City and Green Bay. And if you want to get involved in any of the lines free contest, check out play.thelines.com with a chance to win Amazon gift cards. Now it's time to be joined by Will Hill at the T-H-E-E Will Hill on Twitter, X, whatever Elon Musk wants to call it these days, contributor on the Bear Bets podcast with Chris Felica and also a part of Fox Sports and VEASAN. Will, why the two E's in your handle? I'm assuming because one was already taken. It's at not the Will Hill. So people are like, when anytime there's a dispute with William Hill or there's a bet or anything that they think <laughs> I'm responsible or I'm involved. So I'm not the Will Hill. I'm just a Will Hill. So that's, uh, trying to differentiate that. So what's going on, guys? Huge fan of the show. Huge fan of you guys. This is fun to be on. We were just talking off the air, but man, this season certainly flies by. You wake up and, you know, early September, ready to roll for football. We've been waiting for so long. And before you know it, you look up and we're ready to turn the calendar to December. The college season's all but over. Conference championship this week, which is a great week. Always one of the best weekends of the year. A third of the season left in the NFL. So time just, uh, time does fly when you're having fun. Yeah. And you do a great job handicapping college football as well. And we'll get to conference championship weekend. Quick tidbit to wrap, but Mo, first up, why don't you swing with a game that you were looking at earlier in the week? and are staying away from it, looks like. Yeah, probably. First of all, I want to say, uh, am I weird if the first Will Hill I think of is the Florida Gators safety? I got in that one too. Yeah, he was uh, Yeah, he was kind of a ball hawk. I guess he had his issues where he was in and out like with suspensions and stuff, but I think he had like a – he was with the Giants. He was with Cleveland. He had like a, a fumble return – a block kick return touchdown on Monday night at the buzzer against <laughs> – it was like a Browns-Ravens game. So I've gotten that one too, sure. That guy was uh, a character. But yeah, I do remember him for the Giants now that you mention it. But yeah, switching up to, you know, things that people actually probably want to listen to. Um, I was thinking I was going to be on the Cardinals this week, but basically getting scared off now. Plus five and a half, and it's at Steelers, and it's just basically these pass catchers. I'm not sure who's going to be suiting up, and... Yeah, I just fear for Kyler Murray if he's throwing to Greg Dorch every play, I guess. So maybe just staying away from this one now. Uh, any thoughts on this game? First of all, was it Dorch last week who scored a touchdown when the score was basically like 70 to 6 and he did the year too small little symbol? Like, my goodness, yep. these guys just read the room, have a sense at the moment. Look at the scoreboard, buddy. I think um, <laughs> he does it as a joke because he's five foot seven or something. Oh, maybe though. that's what it is. But still, I mean, when you're down that many points, just, just do the Barry Sanders, hand the ball to the ref and just go to the sideline. My goodness. Uh, <laughs> I like Arizona here. Now, the, what you said about the pass catcher certainly is, uh, is, is a scary proposition. The run defense is so bad. That being said, uh, Pittsburgh with Tomlin, look, there, there, there's a trend where Tomlin is great as a dog. He's great off of a loss. But here he's a favorite, and here he's off of a win. So it's a little bit of a seesaw with Tomlin where he's down. You expect him to come back up. When he's up, you expect him to come back down. I actually think he still has – I've been talking about this for a few weeks. I don't know if you guys heard. I still think there's very good value on him. Coach of the year at 12-1. to 1. He's never won this award. Um, there's a, he's almost the star of the team where everyone's like, oh, they have no talent. It's all Tomlin, similar with Dable last year. But to me, this is just a lot of points. 
They don't win by margin. Every win for them is you know, 20 to 17. Pickett laying points with him is a whole different story. So I'd expect them to win. I'd expect them to, to win a typical Steeler game where the stats aren't pretty. I know they gained 400 yards last week, but to me, I just, I can't get to a point where I expect them to win by margin. So I'll plug my nose here. I'll, I'll hope Murray can, uh, you know, maybe get me in the back door later. Just keep this game competitive. So Arizona plus the five and a half is a play for me. Yeah. Pittsburgh at seven and four, negative 23 point differential. Kind of similar to Minnesota's luck box season last year. And then you factor in that the Steelers got outgained in each of their first nine games, yet started six and three, the only team in NFL history with that mark. Soft schedule coming up, too. They get the Patriots, the Bengals again. I mean, it's hard. It's funny to say you go through their schedule. It's hard to find like two or three more losses. They're they're in good shape to get their 10 plus and get in the playoffs. And Cincinnati's defense I was on the wrong side of that. I know Mo was too last week. We bet the Bengals and Cincinnati's defense ranks 32nd in explosive play percentage allowed. And Kenny Pickett surprisingly took advantage of that both down the sideline and over the middle of the field. Pat Fryermuth last week. Obviously, Fryermuth means a lot to the Steelers passing attack. And so does not having Matt Canada on the sideline anymore. But on to another AFC team and a couple of them in Houston against the Denver Broncos. Denver's fumble luck has been absolutely wild. And I bet against, or I, I was actually betting Denver a lot at the beginning of the season. I got my money back when they've been on this toward run by getting some positive areas. I believe they were dead last in the NFL through six or seven weeks in turnover luck. And that has completely reversed. So what's your angle with Houston lane three and a half against the Broncos at home? You nailed it. It's a fumble luck. And look, you're not, it's not a good habit to be laying three and a half when you had an opportunity to lay three. But hey, we're doing the show when we do the show and uh, you got to take the number. You got to play the ball where it lies. I just think it's a total house of cards. It's a total mirage here with Denver where all, uh, a lot of their stops are because they get a turnover and a lot of their offense comes to the fact they got turnovers and they got short fields. And this win streak here is sort of fool's gold where it's just short fields. It's turnovers. It's winning a lot of close games. I don't think this is sustainable. They're not getting much out of Wilson. They're just limiting, you know, the damage he can do and just trying to win these games close and ugly, which, hey, in the NFL in 2023, if you can just not lose the game, that goes a long way with the, with the caliber of play here. But, uh, Houston's a, a really good team. I don't love the injury report. I just saw Dell, uh, you know, di- didn't practice. They're missing an offensive lineman that could hurt. But to me, this is just a fade of Denver's. Uh, just just recent formula to win games. It's just not sustainable for me. So I'll swallow here. I'll, I don't like the hook, but I'll lay it here with Houston. Yeah, I, I mean, I was all over Denver last week, but I'm, I'm with you on this spot. It's just, I, I think what they're doing is sustainable in the sense of like the teams they're doing it against in some cases, like the Browns, but CJ Stroud is good. He's not going to just hand you the game in most cases, so... Yeah, with you. And then a team that might hand you the game is the Jets, though. Uh, so <laughs> that's another one that we were going to talk about this week. I mean, this offense is as bad as an NFL offense gets. I, I think it's pretty obvious Tim Boyle is a cut below Zach Wilson. And so they should obviously not be playing Tim Boyle, but they are as some kind of statement. I don't know what's going on there, and I just can't touch the Jets at all at the moment. So what are you thinking for this matchup against the Falcons where we did see a ton of Falcons team immediately, basically, when the markets reopened? I think it was close to a pick last week, and it got all the way up to three, and I think settling back down closer to like two and a half now. Well, hopefully Aaron Rodgers doesn't play here to ruin my bet. I mean, can we have a more ridiculous storyline? Can we please stop with this? Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is going to do this and do that. They're four and seven going on four and eight. If he plays, everybody in that organization should be fired. This is the dumbest storyline ever. I get it if they were seven and four, maybe in January, come back. This stop. He's not playing the comeback of the year market just keeps dropping enough. Like it's just enough with it. Uh, that being said, I like Atlanta. I don't love this team. They're sort of just like a service academy on offense, even though they've got a bunch of good skill guys you like. Um, Ritter, I'm not a fan of. I actually like Heineke a little better. Neither one of them is any good. I just think the Jets, like you said, Boyle, he's not a good NFL quarterback. He wasn't a good, he was a bad college quarterback. If you remember him at UConn, uh, I don't know how he's in the NFL. This Rogers, the gravy trainer, the guys he brought with him to the Jets has been a disaster. Um, I just think the Jets are built on defense. 
And eventually here, like defense is about intensity. And eventually you realize your season's over. What are we trying to rescue? We're trying to pull Tim Boyle out of the fire every week. I think you're going to, if you, even if you lose five, 10% of that edge on defense, that's going to hurt your defense. I think their defense is starting to slip a little bit. They can't move the ball. They went a long period of time last week where they couldn't, you know, get to midfield. And boy, that was a, uh, a crazy first half cover, a crazy first half over, uh, in terms of that swing against Miami. Just give me Atlanta here. I think they eke out an ugly game. Nothing they do is pretty. I understand if you want to add the Jets as like a teaser leg, but I can't see Atlanta playing for a playoff spot. I think they'll do just enough to, to win this game. I can't see them losing this game to this Jets team that I think is going to die here over the next few weeks. So uh, give me the Falcons here. Minus two on a money line. I think Atlanta wins the game. Well, hopefully Tim Boyle doesn't die. I, I may need him in my super flex league. I kid you not. Oof, I have Lamar- that's a rough way to live. Yeah. And 18 it's teams? Spot. What's going on there? No, my quarterbacks are just, I mean, this week, trust me, man, I wish it wasn't the case, but I have the option of, I'm my bench too. This is all my quarterbacks with Lamar on the bye. Terrible time for a bye with a playoff spot on the line. But Boyle, I've had to pick up Zappi. I have Dorian Thompson Robinson. I have Flacco in the instance that Thompson Robinson doesn't get cleared. So those are my options at quarterback. Again, it's not for the faith of heart. Maybe a worse situation than my bet on the Carolina Panthers this week. But I digress. Well, on to the fourth NFL game we're going to discuss. Much better to discuss than my Superflex situation. San Francisco laying a juice two and a half, or there are some juice threes, plus threes, on the Eagles available with the 49ers now up to a field goal from where this line initially opened on Sunday night, right around a pick. Mo got plus money on the 49ers look-ahead line going back to last week. And we hammer this game home with Eagles' positive turnover variance, whether it's come to a fumble luck in their own right, similar to Denver over their last three or four games, and a revenge spot, too, for San Francisco and Brock Purdy after that NFC Championship game. And this Eagles defense has taken a major step back when it's come to EPA per play allowed. Looking back to that quote-unquote elite secondary that probably got the benefit of the doubt because of the schedule. And their cornerbacks have digressed in a big way. So I know you're betting San Francisco, but would you still lay it at a field goal? I, I'd probably just look for a cheap money line or two and a half. I would still lay the three. Hey, if it lands on three and I get a push, um, okay. I mean, like, like you guys, I had bet this. I didn't get the plus money, but I think I laid one and a half in my account. Um, I just think like, like all the reasons you mentioned, Philly, just a, a total regression candidate and well, such a bad spot for them. They have Super Bowl revenge a couple weeks ago, Monday night, Kansas City on the road, down to the wire, then a short week. Then after a short week, you play the Bills in a game that's basically five quarters. You played almost a hundred snaps of defense. And now you got to turn around and play a San Francisco team. They've been rested for 10 days. They want this game like blood. Um, look, I'm of the belief. I, I don't buy this idea that, you know, Philly fans want to tell you, Hey, if Purdy didn't get hurt, we would have won anyway. We were much better nonsense. That would have been a down to the wire game, I believe. So San Francisco's out for blood here. This is a revenge spot. Like you said, this is a re- major, major rest advantage. Uh, Philly has Dallas next week and Philly threw the gauntlet of this schedule where like eventually you're going to get picked off here. Eventually there's a cumulative effect of playing tough game after tough game. So San Fran is a loaded team. You can forgive that little three game hiccup where Purdy was, was banged up. No Trent Williams, no Debo. When they have their guys, they're the best team and they're the best team by a pretty significant margin. They have been killing people. Uh, I expect them to win this game by a touchdown or so. So it, it worries me. Everyone seems to be on the Niners. Um, and look, I, I'm going to roll with it here. Give me the Niners here on the money line or minus the two and a half or three or whatever, whatever best number you can get. Yeah. I think everyone, this is a, reminding me a little bit of if you guys remember. I think it was last season, uh, Bengals-Dolphins, that game where Bengals came off. I mean, Dolphins came off 100 plays uh, on defense, short week. Everyone in the world pounded the Bengals, and I was the only idiot who tried buying low on Miami, and they got (laughs) smacked. Well, Tua got hurt that night, I think. That was the Thursday night game where Tua got hurt after the Dolphins played that crazy game against the Bills where they played a lot of defense. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Uh, I think it was like four and a half or so. Like the the line got just smashed. We'll see if uh, it's another another walkover or whatever may happen here. Just a most point before we get to college football championship weekend. If you exclude situation, of course Philly shouldn't be a three point dog at home. But that's not the way the market works. Like I, I don't understand people that just. <laughs> 
say, and, and maybe this is the difference between people that just look at numbers and again, don't factor in situational spots. And I'm curious on your perspective about that too, in general, when it comes to handicapping, Will, but just with this game in particular, how do you not split up the fact that yes, the Eagles are one of the most talented teams in the NFL and second or third, I still have them below the Cowboys in my power ratings. I know Modos too, at least in the NFC. How do you not take that into consideration? How do you not take into consideration their schedule on top of the fact that maybe without Lane Johnson for this game? Yep, and, and banged up, you know, on defense. They that was a, a tough physical game against the Bills last week. Typical Bills, just letting the game get away. Typical Eagles too. I thought it was just egregious. Uh, the McDermott taking the timeout, wasting the timeouts. First of all, you waste a couple timeouts, just fire them into the sun for no reason. Of course, we're gonna ice the kicker, which I don't remember the last time icing a kicker ever even worked. Like, give me a break. And then twenty seconds of all the coaches who know what can happen in twenty seconds or less. You got a great quarterback. Like Philly is probably saying, "Thank God you took a knee," because it's just so easy to get into field goal range one Allen scramble for 18 yards and all you need is one more you know chunk play it's just so easy you get a flag you got three or four shots there to just throw the ball run take a chance like you know I know uh, Rome was like well uh, a strip sack is just as likely as a 20-yard completion I don't have the numbers in front of me I can promise you it's not though <laughs> I can promise you it's not so I, I know like, oh something bad can happen you know what something bad can happen going into overtime on the road as well as we saw so I just thought that was crazy McDermott's so conservative he gets so tight in these spots I thought that was crazy how they took a knee last week yeah all of these coaches who just I don't know not only thinking you get a overtime whatever you're fine but like the Seahawks against the Rams. That was embarrassing. Oh, when they, terrible. 20, they had like 30 seconds or something. And, and like, you're they just upset got about it because of your win total under bet on it. And they just, and they just gave up. Like, let's just kick a 55 yarder. I mean, yeah, sure. Go for it, I guess. Anyways, yeah, switching gears to college. Obviously, a lot of big games this weekend, pretty much all big games, depending on. Your definition of big, I guess, uh, some people may be more interested in Conference USA or whatever it may be than others, but, um, some Bama, Georgia, obviously bangers and, and some other smaller conference games. But, uh, what are you looking at with this weekend? I, I know when I'm looking at it, I was just a little bit surprised. The Bama line, I, I think was, a little bit shorter than I thought it was going to be. I honestly think Georgia might be <laughs> head and shoulders better than some of these teams. But, uh, yeah, what are you looking at this weekend? I will go over the 55 in Texas, Oklahoma State. I just think Texas, think about it now. That's the first game on Saturday. They don't know what Florida State does uh, is going to do. So they're going to try to run up the score, I would think. Try to try to get some style points. It, it, look, their receivers are just really good. Oklahoma State is shaking the secondary. It's amazing. You know, if you just freeze frame the game against South Alabama where they're getting killed at home and say, hey, a few months from now, this team's going to be in the Big 12 title game. Like, what the hell happened? How did, how is that possible? But uh, I think Texas can move the ball through the air pretty, you know, regularly. I think Oklahoma State, if they have, if they have any path to offense against Texas, you can't run it on them. So they're going to have to throw the ball. Oklahoma State plays with pace. They have a bad second year. I just think all of this adds up to a lot of points. I, I would lean towards a Texas cover. I just think if they're up 14 late at midfield, they're not going to just run it three times and punt. I think they'll probably want to try to stick that extra touchdown in at the end, just try to make the score look better. So I think that 55 is a little light. If you really want to narrow it, maybe a Texas team total over, I think it's 33 and a half, something like that. Of course, shop around, but uh, I'm looking at it over in that game. Speaking of totals, just to wrap here, the Iowa-Michigan total, not only is that the lowest conference championship game total, I believe, in college football conference title game history, but Iowa's first-half team total, just looking at this on one sports book, Amazing. over a point is minus 105. What would you need to bet the over in that situation, Will? Boy, that's an uncomfortable hour plus to just sit there and root for nothing to happen, but I, I would I would need plus money to answer your question. Um, if I'm going to bet that game, I, 
they're juiced, but you can play under seven and a half for the first quarter. I feel like with these like Army Navy games or these Iowa games, I like playing the first quarter under, even if I'm paying a little extra juice at the seven, seven and a half, because I don't want a scenario where Iowa's down 14 nothing, 17 nothing, then they're in passing downs. That's where bad things happen. The strip sacks, the pick sixes, they, they go out of their element and that's when the, the game can unravel. The total can, you know, you can get some, some defensive points, some garbage points. So to me, Iowa does play the run well. They are a pretty good red zone defense. So I could see a slow start. Michigan, you'd think would be conservative. It's almost like they, you know, they don't need any style points. It's almost like a golfer where he just needs to three putt to win the tournament. You don't need to hit the ball. Just don't hit the ball in the water. Just don't have a triple bogey and you're going to move on. <laughs> so the only way Iowa's going to score if Michigan turns it over. So I think Michigan probably knows that, Hey, let's be conservative here. Maybe our quarterback's still a little banged up. They've had some offensive line injuries issues. So. I don't know that Michigan gets overly aggressive here, so I'd look at an under for the game, but I think first quarter under may be the better way to attack it. Interesting. Maybe if Tony Romo is right that a strip sack, either touchdown oh. or just a strip sack in general, is has an implied probability equivalent to a 20-yard pass play, then maybe Iowa will go over the first half total. In Who this knows? game, it might. Yeah, exactly. Right. Good point. Exactly. But he is Will Hill, and specifically on X or Twitter, at not the two E's Will Hill contributor on the Bear Bats podcast with Chris Felica and also a contributor to Fox Sports and VEASAN hosts on that network, the latter network, a bunch. Will, we'll be rooting for if you do get a plus money bet in on Iowa first half. Maybe I'll take it just for the hell of it. I don't bet any college football, so I may be looking to sweat something on Saturday night, but maybe you talked me off of it, or maybe Tony Romo will talk me into it. Who knows? But either way, thanks for coming on the show, man. Really appreciate it. All right, boys. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And like I mentioned, he is Will Hill. Mo, any last words before we get out of here? I probably shouldn't admit this on air, but I took the over 0.5 first half. What number did you get? I can't recall. Probably regular minus 110. It might have been minus 105. Um, but what a yeah, fish. I'm basically just hoping like there's either. I mean, this is like you need one play. They need to kick a field goal. How hard can it be to get three points? Against this Michigan defense with that offense? And listen, I'm not any sort. Like I said, I barely bet. College football, the only full game I've watched so far is Michigan-Maryland. So maybe if... Iowa gets a bunch of Maryland transfers before this game starts. They'll score over a point or, yeah, a field goal or a touchdown. Maybe get a safety. Maybe we can get a safety. See? <laughs> You're talking me into it as we speak. But he is Monoara. Follow him on Twitter at Monoara with two W's. You can follow me on Twitter at Eli Herskovich. As always, remember, you can get all of our bets in real time, whether it's NFL or any sport, in the Lions Discord channel. The link is over at thelines.com in the top right-hand corner. You can also head over to play.thelines.com for your chance to win free gift cards in our NFL contest for Week 13. Thanks for watching and listening to Beat the Closing Number. So long, everybody. <laughs>